Father, we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. And even as we have come to your house for the ministry of the word at this time, for the ministry of the word, I pray, Father, that you would anoint each one of us. Anoint us afresh this morning. Grant us grace to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say, Father. Animate me, O Lord, and Lord, speak through me to each one of us. Let there be an unction and authority over the speaking of and the, over the hearing of this word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you would sanctify me. Father, forgive me, O Lord, for all my insufficiencies and inconsistencies, O Lord. Forgive me and cleanse me, O Lord, and use me as a vessel so that I can bring forth your word with clarity so that we can all understand what you have to speak to us in this last hour of time. Keep me from error, O Lord Jesus. Let me not make an uncertain sound, O Lord. Let us, Lord Father, know you truly through the ministry of this word, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Pray for your blessing over this word at this time. Give us yours to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, um, we've been looking at um, um, last Sunday. If you look, like we looked at uh, from the from Joshua chapter one, we we'll try to uh, expound on what, uh, elaborate on what we studied last Sunday. Uh, so, title this message as courageous obedience. Courageous obedience. Now, obedience itself is courageous, but I'll, we'll try to understand what this is all about. Uh, we'll read from Joshua chapter 1 from verses 5 to 7. This is uh, Joshua being commissioned to the mission field. He's been ordained by Moses. Moses, the man of God, has died now. And Joshua is all by himself. No man, no mentor, nobody to, uh, to report to is all by himself entering into the promised land. And it's right at the threshold and he's got a huge set of people whom he has to lead and this time it's not like Moses and his rod he has to make them fight it's a different ball game altogether the way God works with each generation is completely different that's what it says in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 he says what you have heard from me among many witnesses entrust it to faithful men who are able to teach others also that means there are four generations we need to always think that we are, it's not going to stop with us. What our faith is going to impact our next generation, the next generation. And we should, and we should not only be well taught, we should also be well modeled as a church. It's very important. Some churches are very well taught, but not very well modeled. Some churches are probably very well modeled, but not very well taught. A balance of both is absolutely essential for a healthy church. Why? Because it's just not about this generation, it's about the generations to come. That they will be able to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation. That's so very important. The perpetuity of faith. Otherwise it will be like the time during, uh, time during uh, the judges where it says, another generation rose up who did not know the God of their fathers. And it's so important for us to always keep that in mind. So when we are, you know, in our daily activity, you need to understand so many people are watching us. By default, we are all models. That's what Jesus, I mean, that's what Paul tells Timothy. In a large house, there are several vessels. Some for honor and some for dishonor. And he tells Pharaoh in, I mean, Romans chapter 11, he tells, he tells Pharaoh, for this reason, I have raised you so that I can teach others how not to be. You see? And, 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 and the entire scripture is a, a lot of examples of different, different kinds of people who made it and who failed, who failed and who made it. 
Okay? So, and we need to always keep learning. So, uh, like uh, one man of God said, no, if you are a wise man, you will learn from other people's mistakes. If you're just a normal man, you will learn from your mistakes. If you're a fool, you will not even learn from your mistakes. Okay, you'll repeat and you'll never learn those from those mistakes. And that's something which we need to understand. We, if you're really wise, learn from our forefathers. It's not, no, it's, don't repeat the errors of and the mistakes of your forefathers. You might be new, doing new mistakes, but don't repeat those same old mistakes. Okay, so understand that. Understand that we are all by default, by default modeling. Not modeling, we are models. Okay, our life. Okay, Joshua chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. This is what um, God has to tell uh, Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I, so will, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Incredible assurance. Awesome, no? That God is, just imagine, right? You, you encountered God in your secret closet of prayer and God speaks to you and he says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I believe the, the way we hear God speak is, is going to determine the way we walk initially. It's so important for all of us to hear. You know, one man of God said, every person will hear God speak to him calling out his name. They will say, Vijay, you will hear God speak. And he has to give you that assurance. And that's the, that's the promise of the new covenant. You know, in the new covenant, God says, I'm not going to speak to you from prophets like the way I did it in my, in the, in the old testament. I'm going to speak to you directly. Face to face. I'm with the anointing which is upon you is going to lead you to all truth and you don't need somebody come, to come and teach you. You will be able to hear from God directly. That does not mean that we don't gather for the ministry of the word, but what I'm try, trying to say is that all of us can have a personal encounter with God and he can speak and he will speak to us because God says he's not a respecter of persons, right? So no man, this is what he tells uh, Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And the next verse, be strong and of a good courage and of good courage for the, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them and verse 7 only be strong and very courageous let's stop there only be strong and very courageous to do what to fight to face your enemies That you will not be fearful when you see your enemies? No. Look at what it says. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left hand, to the right, uh, uh, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. That means, what does it mean? It tells me, it tells me that in order for me to obey God, I need what? Courage. I need to be fearless to obey God. You see, to be a Christian, you need to be more bold than to be a captain of an army. It's a fact. 
And let me tell you young people, for you to stick up like a sore thumb, the proverbial sore thumb in your organization, in your school, wherever you study, you need courage. You don't need courage to be one among the, as we say in Telugu, Gumpulo Govindam. To go with the flow, you don't need any courage. But if you want to stand for God, you need courage. To obey God in the midst of all opposition, you need courage. That's exactly what God is telling Joshua. He's saying, you know what, Joshua, be courageous to observe everything that I have commanded you. You need courage in these last days. It's not going to be easy. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 25 to 26. Why? And there will be signs in sun and moon and on earth, distress of nations in, and in perplexity, in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. And he said, for another time, I'm going to shake not only the earth, but also the heavens so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken and only those things which cannot be shaken will remain. And if you are a believer, God is going to shake everything in our lives without a doubt. I remember one man of God telling me, you know, it's very interesting thing, right? Uh, When Elijah prophesied over, over Israel that in for three and a half years, you will not have rain, not dew in all of Israel. And for three and a half, so, so for the first part of that three and a half years, he's at a place called uh, chariot where the ravens are coming and feeding him food and he's drinking water from the brook and after a few years the brook dries up and the man of god said you know this is exactly how god does with his with his with his with his servants he's never going to make them comfortable and it gave us a very interesting analogy he said just imagine you are a man of god like elijah and every fifth of the month somebody sends you an offering And that offering is sufficient for the rest of the month. And one day, God will stop that offering. To ensure that you don't get too comfortable with offering, that your dependence will be always on God. In order, this this needs courage. This is boldness. In order to obey God in spite of all kinds of opposition, you need boldness. Think about it. Think about it, no? So God is going to shake. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that ultimately those things which cannot be shaken will stand. And what cannot be shaken? The heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but those who do the will of God will abide forever. That is the reason why Jesus says, you know, don't fear those fellows. Fear me. Don't fear those people who can put you and put you, uh, only harm your body, but fear that one who can not only harm your body, but also, also can ha- cause eternal harm for your soul. Fear him. Fear him. Okay, let's move, let's move on. For second Timothy chapter one verse seven to eight, it says, for God gave us not a spirit of fear. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love. And of self-control. Keep this in mind. It's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. It's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. It's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of self-control. See. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the testimony about our Lord, nor me his prisoner. 
Don't say, Are Apostle Paul, you are such an obedient guy. Why is God allowing you to go through all this situation? Why is God not proving himself strong in your life? You've been so faithful. Why are you in prison? Don't be ashamed. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he'll say, For all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will. Not may. Will. Will endure hardship. And he says in Acts chapter 14, he says, with many tribulations you you have to enter into the kingdom of God. It is not going to be an easy ride for his children. Therefore, therefore prepare us. We have to be prepared. During the time of peace, we prepare for war. This is the time when we meditate upon the word of God, we store the word of God, we get the reservoir of the word of God because there are only two things which can save us, the word of God and the spirit of God. In the last days, nothing else. If you sow in the spirit, you will have, you will reap eternal life. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap corruption. And the seed that also that you have, if you sow in the spirit, the seed that you have also will be the seed of the spirit. That's exactly what Jesus, uh, God, God tells in Isaiah chapter 55. The Lord who gives uh, grain, I mean seed to the sower and bread to the one who is eating is the same. Okay. The sword, the seed that you sow into your own life ultimately will b- become bread for somebody else. Okay. So constantly keep meditating upon the word of God. Come together as, as believers as, uh, for the, for the ministry of the word, even as you see the day approaching. Never ever take the ministry of the word lightly. Never. And don't come for sermons which will only entertain you. Be prepared for serious study. Grow up. Okay. Even if you're young and if you're teenagers. Don't think I'm too, by the time I reach Vijayana's age, I'll be okay. No, it's not gonna happen for you. Like that. If you are not prepared now, you will not be prepared then. Let's move on. Jesus warned us. John's Gospel chapter 16 verses 1 to 2. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming where when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's exactly what is happening in many of the Middle East nations. They are thinking that they are offering service to their God by persecuting Christians. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? So we need to have boldness. We need to have boldness in these last days. And that is exactly what happened during the day of Pentecost. You had a set of 120 people who are fearful. Were they born again? Yes, they were born again. Were they, did they receive the spirit? Yes, they received the spirit. But the spirit did not come with power upon them. They were all a set of fearful people. And they all came together for 10 days together. And on the 10th day, the spirit came upon them and they started becoming witnesses. Fearless after that. The same Peter who betrayed Jesus three times is now fearless. Three times he betrayed. 3,000 people got converted in his first mission. 3,000 people. And after that they stopped, they asked him to not to preach in the name of God. They went, they prayed and they said, Lord, please give us a spirit of boldness. And after that, when they were baptized with the spirit, the spirit came with a rush, mighty rushing wind again the second time. And they were anointed with the spirit and they preached the word of God boldly, boldly. And Acts chapter 5, they said, should we obey man or should we obey God? They were absolutely fearless. Fearless. And I'm telling you honestly, that's exactly what we need. And it will be, it will be tested in little, little things that we do. If we want to be fearless Christians, we need to start with little, little things in our lives. So how do we get this boldness is the question. 
that I want to ask myself. I want to be a bold Christian. How many of us want to be bold Christians? Really, honestly. Who will confront, who will not be afraid. Elijah, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, it will not rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. It's not, it's not going to rain. According to my word. It's not going to rain. What boldness. And that is what we need in these last days, that we should be absolutely fearless. I've seen um, this very interesting video. I didn't want to get it on online because it's viewer discretion advised. Okay. Uh, uh, I was, I was at Gideon's Bible study a few, few months back. And there's this brother who came from South Africa. And he told me, uh, I asked him where, where he lived and we were just discussing questions. I had so many questions about South Africa. I said, okay, what is Zulu and what is that and what is this? So he was explaining everything to me. And he said, when I was growing up, I grew up near the, in a village which was close to the safari. I said, oh, isn't it? And he said, you know what? We used to find lions, see lions every time passing by our home. And I looked at him, I said, oh, really? Uh, okay, um, so how did you deal with it? He said, you know what, Vijay, when we were growing up, our parents taught us a trick as to how to deal with lions. Whenever you see a lion, stare back at her in its eyes. A lion or a lioness. Do not show fear. And it will run away. I said, are you serious? I mean, I, I, I didn't want to show you the video because I don't think many of the girls will like what I'm going to show. But you know, he said, you know what? He took me to YouTube and he said, type lion, uh, uh, men stealing catch from lion. Just type in on YouTube. And he showed me a three set of skinny African tribal men. Skinny fellows with three spears, I mean sticks, not spears, sticks in their hand. And a bunch of lions who caught a wildebeest. And they're just tearing it apart, okay? And these guys wanted to steal the catch from the beast. Three skinny fellows. One big lion, a male lion, several lionesses, one young lion. And you know what about young lions, right? In the Bible it talks about young lions which devours over its meal. They were just literally devouring the meal. And these guys, three guys, skinny fellows with their sticks start walking towards the lion staring right into their eyes and these bunch of lions just just flee. And they go, take their catch, I was stunned. When I saw that, I was like, is this true? And he said, exactly what we were taught when we were in Africa. We were taught to look straight into the lion's eyes and this is exactly what Peter says, right? In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, he says, be Sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is seek. I mean, he's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Be st- stare right into its eyes. Oh boy, I mean, I learned that lesson. I said, boy, this is interesting. And then I remember how David could have killed that lion. No, he just caught it by the mane and he just. Killed it one one shot. Never feared. What was that? Absolute boldness. How did he get that kind of a boldness? Do we, and think about it. If a, if a man in the old covenant can be so bold, how much more you and I? And you know what? Why Lions are supposed to be the most fearless of all the creatures. They don't fear at all. And when they sense fear, they know they can kill you. 
You see? It's remarkable. Remarkable stories that we can, I mean, lessons that we can learn from creation. God has ordained it that way. Then I knew, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have made the entire creation subject to him. Man had dominion and he just gave the dominion away to the powers of darkness and then he became fearful. And how did that fear come into his life is a question we need to deal with that. Very interesting verse in the Bible talking about fear. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing. You see that? But the righteous are bold as a lion. John Piper preached 12 messages on this one verse. 12, okay? Righteous are are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee where no one is pursuing them. Are you afraid? Are you fearful? Why do we have fear? Why do we have it? First reason. The very first time the word afraid is mentioned in the Bible. Any guesses? Genesis. Thank you. Chapter 3 verses 9 to 10. Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see? Very interesting. You need to understand fear comes, you know why? You know why? Because your relationship with the Lord is messed up and because there is sin in your life and primarily unconfessed sin in your life. You know it. The Spirit is quickening you and you are guilty of it and you sense guilt. You said this is not right. You know, every man has got a conscience by the way at different levels. You know it when you are doing something wrong. That's exactly what Paul tells in First Timothy, Romans chapter 2. He says your conscience either accuses you or excuses you. It's got a voice. So the three people whom you should fear, the moment your relationship with the Lord is broken, there are three people you should automatically fear. One, you have to fear the Lord because you have broken fellowship with Him. And the wrath of God is upon you. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. How do you refer? See, the point here is the the person whom you you have to fear the most is God. Because you don't understand God. You don't understand angels. You don't understand, you know, when people have this name, angel. They have Facebook name as angel. Whatever angel, no? I said, do you know, have any idea how an angel looks like? You have no idea. I was reading a, a, a storybook for my daughters the other day. Not a storybook, a Bible, where the Mary story is given there, no? And then the angel comes with those two wings and Mary is looking at the angel. It looks so cute. And I said, you know what? Guys, let me tell you how angels look like. 
Okay, and with my own graphic language and with all my uh, action, I told them, you know, we're angels are fearful creatures. When you look at them, you just fall flat on your face. One angel one night went and slaughtered 180,000 of the Syrian, Syrian soldiers. Absolutely terrifying people. And my daughter was looking at me like that. All the stereotypes of angels went away from their minds. We have all these stereotypes which are not true. You see angels, you will fall flat on your face. They are terrible creatures. No, think about, if angel is like that, think about God. Think about God. The wrath of God. And when Isaiah, who wrote five of his incredible chapters in Isaiah chapter 4 till 1 to 5, he sees the heavens open and whom does he see? He sees the Lord. And who is that Lord? He sees Jesus himself. John's Gospel chapter 12 will say he saw Jesus in glory and when he saw that Jesus, he said, woe is me, I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm a dwell among a people of unclean lips. You know what? All his stereotypes of angels just vanished because he saw God as a judge. And this apostle John who leaned on the breasts of Jesus, when he saw the Lord on the island of Patmos, he saw Jesus with his fiery eyes. Fiery eyes. A fiery eyes means eyes which can see through, have X-ray vision like Superman, no? I mean, see through meaning they can see through your motives, your intentions, everything. I feel he fell flat on his face and that is the God we are going to meet. Think about it. And that is the reason why Paul will say, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an answer to the things that we have done in the body, whether good are bad and therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. It is not going to be an easy day. Easy day. It is, that is the reason why you say day of the Lord, day of the Lord. Woe is to those people who say the day of the Lord. It's going to be a day of weeping. So he was afraid. Because you know why? Three people. You should be afraid of God. He is going to really be upset with you. And the wrath of, it says, God is a Lord who expresses his anger Every day, Psalm 7-11 will say, the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. Every day. And then, another person whom we have to really, really be afraid of is your conscience. <laughs> That's guy, that guy is going to prick you all the time. You did it. You did it. You did it. Condemn you. You're not supposed to do it. Not supposed to. You did it. You did it. You did it. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. So you have a guilt conscience. And then you have the devil. Who is the accuser of the brethren. You know what he says? When do you think the Lord will love you? No? Come on, come on. Come to my side. Come to my side. Let's have a bar. Let's have a blast. Three people will be after you. God is after you. You is after you. Devil is after you. You see? You see, you break fellowship with the Lord, your conscience is going to bother you like anything. And I tell you something, conscience is a gift from God. You have a conscience, you have a gift from God. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter chapter 18. This is Saul after he's fallen quite sufficiently from grace. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside his house, he prophesied. 
So David played music with his hand at, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul cast a spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped. His presence not once, but twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. He was afraid. But the Lord had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him a captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people and David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul, when Saul saw the, that he behaved wisely, he was afraid of him. He's afraid. He's tormented by fear because of hatred. You look at, this is what uh, John Piper will say in one of his sermons. A guilty conscience will turn shadows into phantoms. Ambulances into police cars. Innocent inquiries into indictments. Doorbells into threats. Postmen into warrant officers. School teachers into wardens. Parents into cross examiners. Friends into traitors. Simple office memos into termination papers. You do wrong, you are guilty. You have a, you hear a knock on the door. <laughs> I remember, no? <laughs> you, when we were, we were in Canada, when we were driving down from Montreal to New York, and my friend was ripping. Okay. Cross the speed limit. And the moment the siren came, he knew, we even knew that we were crossing the speed limit. Okay. But we wanted to reach Montreal on time. So we said, come, let's, let's do beat it, man. We don't see anybody here. And we just kept moving, moving, moving at considerable speed. And suddenly, siren. Asked to stop on the middle of the road. And you know how Desi's tremble. Sir, sir. Sorry, sir. <laughs> how much were you driving at? What was the speed? Sir, sir, we were going at 70, sir. You are going at 80. You showed the speed gun. <laughs> what can we do? You are caught. Sir, 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 okay, sir, I will pay the fine. We are all scared. We are scared. You should be scared. You should, you should fear the policeman on the streets if you don't have your papers. You should. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 16. If you turn there, it will say, the fools are careless when they commit sin. They are bold when they commit sin. They are foolish. They don't understand the consequences of, 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 committing, of committing the sin. You see? There was another guy who was cheating and making his living. Hand of God is over his life. The call of God is upon his life. Cheating, but all the time he's cheating, 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 cheating. Look at this guy. He's running away. Cheaters will always run away. Genesis chapter 28 verse 15 to 17. This is Jacob's vision, okay? Behold, I am with you. Who's saying this? God. And will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid. And said, How this word awesome is how terrible is this place. That's what his word is. The same word. He was afraid. This word and this word. Same word. How terrible is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is his gate. Running away. Even if God gives you a promise, 
You see that that's what there's a there's a very interesting samata uh, in Telugu. All the gultis will know what I'm talking about. Gummadakai Danga. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It means that if you stole something, and if somebody speaks something remotely to what you have done, you'll still be afraid. You'll think that fellow is looking at me. Suspicious. See? How awesome. How terrible. Look at the next, next, next time. He's, God appears to him and he says, leave your father-in-law's house. The time for you to leave. His habits, as they say, die hard. And Jews' habits die even more hard. Okay, that's not me, the Jew who con- confessed this, you know. If, from a, if you take H away from a habit, you have a bit. If you take A, you have bit. You take B, you have it. Very difficult for habits to die. And now God appears to him and he says, get out of your father-in-law's house. He can say, Tata Baba to his father-in-law leave. No, he sneaks. Why should he sneak out? Because he has a guilty conscience. Look at what he says, next verse. This is Laban, Genesis chapter 31, verses 28 to 31, when he's pursuing Jacob. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Don't say anything. If father-in-laws use this, it's fantastic. And now you... And now you have some, uh, and now you have gone away because you long greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was, because I was afraid. I was afraid. Let me tell you something, no? When the tempest comes, the wicked are no more. When the tempest comes, the wicked are no more, but the righteous will be established forever. In meaning, if you do the things the right way, it doesn't matter what storms come in your life, you will stand firm till the end. And who will allow the tempest? God will allow that. God will allow it. Sovereignly, especially for his children. I was telling yesterday in the, in the, in the fasting prayer, if you are a child of God, even if you write one line, in your 97 page thesis, which is a lie. In other 100 thesis of other people, God will overlook. But if you are a child of God, that one line he will catch. And the examiner of all the questions, he will zero in on that one page. Even if you have camouflaged that one lie in a beautiful language. He will say, I didn't get it. But I wrote so much, sir. One line. He will catch you. And you know what? If you are a child of God, you will be scared of that one line because you are afraid now. He's going to catch that line. He's going to catch it. He caught it. He caught it. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen to you. If you are a child of God, God is going to Pick you and he's gonna corner you for one thing, even if it's very small, very tiny, very tiny, very minute. He he might even strike you with fever. And then you are in the in the sick bed and saying, Lord, what did I do? That one time you were angry with your wife and you did not ask for forgiveness. Lord, come on, so many husbands fighting with their wives. Me, Lord? Yes, you, because I called you. 
called you out for a specific purpose. No? That's exactly what happened to Moses. Moses was commissioned by God to bring out 600,000 men. Who called him? God called him. Where? On the mountain. On his way, God wanted to kill him. Think about it, no? God commissioned Moses to bring 600,000 people. He has still not reached Egypt. He wanted to kill him. Why, Lord? Because you did not circumcise your younger child. But Zipporah, Lord! Zipporah! Doesn't matter. And Zipporah had to learn a lesson, you know. It's interesting. He says, she cut the foreskin, put it at his feet and said, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. You are supposed to lead my people and you have compromise in your own life. I'm going to pull you up for that. I'm going to pull you up. You know, it's it's very good that God pulls you up for little, little things before they grow. And if you're a child of God, let him catch you for little things before they become big things. Then what happens? How do you get rid of this conscience? Therefore, how do you become bold now? Before, how do you get rid of this? And God gives us a solution to that problem, right? In Genesis chapter 32, verses 6 to 7, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was, he was afraid first time. Second time he was afraid. Now he is greatly afraid. Finished, it has reached his pinnacle of fear now. Gone. Tomorrow I'm a dead man. He's going to kill me. Was he going to kill him? No. See, most of the fears will never come to pass. Most of your fears. Most of you have fears because you know you're not right, you're not right with God. That is the reason why you're fearful. So, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. He's still sneaky all the time, you see. Habits die hard. And God has to break him now completely. Question for all of us. Do we have sneaky attitudes? Sneaky. Sneaky. When nobody is watching, how do we behave? How do we work when no one is watching us? How do we speak when we, when nobody is watching us? That is exactly who you are. That is exactly who you are. And nobody, no supervision over your life. That is exactly what Joseph, Joseph was not. You know what he said? How can I do this against my God? I cannot do this great sin against my God. See? Sneaky. Sneaky attitude. That's the reason why it says, a man of integrity keeps his way secure, but a man who's crooked will be found out. A crooked man will be found out. If you are running from God, you will be found out. You are running in vain. You are running in vain. You are running in vain. I mean, I was seeing one on one day, you know, um, uh, this in California, right? This guy who stole a car and this, the police is after him. Now he's on the freeway, ripping through the, through the, through the traffic, right? It's, it's rush hour traffic. He's changing lanes, left, right and center. He knows he's going to be caught. But in the process, before smashing two or three cars and injuring f- fatally some people, he will not give up. 
That's exactly what happens to you. You are running away from God with a guilty conscience. You will cause other people to suffer in your life. And that's exactly what happened to Rachel. He opened his mouth. Whoever stole will die. Rachel died. Very tough truths, but good truths to learn so that we can walk free, no? Look at what it says. So how does, how do you get rid of this? Jacob has to become Israel. That's what he has to become. Jacob has to become Israel. Genesis chapter 32 verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And what was this wrestling match all about? Hosea chapter 12 verse 4 will talk about this. Very interesting verse. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. That's what he did. He started weeping and crying and wailing and saying, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Have mercy upon me, have mercy upon me, have mercy upon me. He was guilty and came to the pinnacle where he could handle his guilt no more. Have you come to the point in your life where you can handle your guilt no more? Or are you doing what we call as religious activity? What we call as fig leaves? Trying to cover your nakedness, but one day when God, you can cover your nakedness from man, but God sees. The moment God comes, they are afraid. He strove with the angel and he prevailed and he wept and sought his favor. He started crying and crying and crying and saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And you know what it says in John, 1 John chapter 1? If you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you from all all your unrighteousness and this is exactly what psalm 32 will say what a powerful psalm this is blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man against whom the lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit no more deceit no more running away lord this is what i am This is what I am. You know what? God loves honest people. You will not find this teaching anywhere. God loves honest people who own up. Who don't justify their sin. And he will bring you to the point till you own up in your life. And say, Lord, this is what I am, Lord. This is what I am. This is what I am. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Have mercy upon me. Look at what is blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The next verse, for when I kept silent, you know, mean, meaning I acted as if nothing happened. You know, that's exactly what many people do. They do a lot of mischief and they act as if nothing happened. Life is usual for them. So when you keep silence with the Lord, you know what God is going to do? My bones wasted away. And through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. This is David. One sin he did, small sin, something, somewhere. Finished. God loved him, and therefore he chastened him left, right and center. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And you know what it says in Mark's, this is, this is, this is powerful, right? Once you are forgiven, boy, you do not know what an incredible, incredible gift it is, the gift of forgiveness. But you need to feel guilty of your sin. You need to know that you deserve to die. 
And that is the reason why you will, that is when you will appreciate the cross and you will sing, at the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light, all the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. That's exactly what happens, right? You know what Jesus says? How many kinds of sins I will forgive? Mark 3.28 Assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven to the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter, except of course the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Every sin, what a precious verse. Any kind of a sin, it doesn't matter what sin you have committed. If you confess and if you're honest before the Lord, He will forgive. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see? Remarkable. Remarkable. Your conscience will be clear. By the blood of Jesus, your conscience will be clear. Look, that's what it says, right? You turn to uh, the other uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. This is important. True heart. A heart which is going to speak the truth. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God accepts us. Our conscience is clear. And you know what happens? Then the devil comes. You overcome him, as we sang, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we will not be afraid of him even until death. Because we are clear with God and our conscience also has excused us. What? You know, you have this. You have boldness. You have boldness. You have what? Boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. You have boldness. You want to have this kind of boldness? Be honest before God, my dear brothers and sisters. And if you are a child of God, this is your portion that you should be bold. If God be for you, who can be against you? But be sure that God is for you. And if you are, if you are unconfessed sin in your life, you can never be bold. Why do we don't go to to go to the Lord in prayer. Why do we not go? You know why we don't go in prayer? Because we don't know deep down inside of us we have not have con- we have not confessed our sin before the Lord. There's always this conflict. There's always a conscience which is pricking us, which is pricking us, and we postpone and we postpone and we postpone and we postpone. Let it not be this year. Okay, that is Hebrews chapter ten, verse nineteen, and you have boldness with the Lamb. Once you have boldness with the Lord. It doesn't mean that you will be bold forever. You have to keep fighting for your boldness. You got that? That's the next part of my message. John chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be, that that you should not stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that, that he offers God a service. In other words, once you are clear with God, your battles will not stop. God is going to put you through situations where he will test if you are fearful or bold. He is going to get rid of the spirit of fear and every one of us has it by default. We all fear the unknown. Why do we think, why do we, why, why is there so much of struggle to get a job? Because we want a salary. At the end of the month, we want a salary, a paycheck. Okay, We want it. I mean, some of you can say, okay, I do a job which I love, but wait till you have children and you have responsibility. You will work for, you will work for a paycheck, for sure. You will. 
And you need to fight this constantly every day of your life. And if God is going to put you through situations, He's going to get rid of that spirit of fear. He has to. What casts off fear? Perfect love casts off fear. We look into that. What does, what, what that means? And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. You know what Jesus said? When I was with you, I did not have to say all these things. Because I was with you. I was covering you. Very soon I will be taken. When I am gone, they will come after you. And you know, Jesus were very, very straightforward with his disciples. He never, he never camouflaged anything. He said, if you follow me, they will try to kill you, Baba. Very clear. It is not going to be an easy walk. If you want to be my disciple, you have to forsake everything. Got it? That's exactly what happened to but Abraham. No, Abraham, when he made a first step, no? First step, he heard a voice, leave the earth, the Chaldeans, people would have said, you're a fool. But he took a bold step and then entered the famine. There was famine. He ran to Egypt. Almost sold his wife. Came back, had to fight five armies. After defeating all the five armies, he was afraid, right? And Jesus comes and tells him, God comes and tells him, Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And he says, Lord, I don't have children. Do you see the stars in the heaven? Like that your children will be. And he believed in God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And then what happens? Chapter number 20, Abimelech comes. He's selling Sarah off again. Why? Fear. Fear. So how do we get rid of this? I mean, just because you have a clear conscience with God, it does not mean that when situations come, you will always act without fear. How do we continue this lifestyle of courageous obedience? Is something which we need to understand. There's one principle. First Peter chapter 3 verse 13 to 16. There's a very, very interesting principle. We looked at it in several contexts, but let us read this in this context today. First Peter chapter 3 verses 13 to 16. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Meaning, if you do good, will anybody harm you? Nobody should harm you. That is by default. So that's, that means in your company, if you're doing good and if you're really working hard, nobody will harm you. By and large. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The key. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a difference to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. This is very, very important. But in your hearts, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. What does that mean? What does that mean? Look at First Peter chapter 3, verse again 13 to 16. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. First have a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Meaning, have a good conscience first. First, you have a good conscience. 
But after you have a good conscience, do one thing. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. What does that mean? A very interesting verse from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5 to 6. For in this manner, in former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. What does this mean? You should do good and you should not be afraid of any terror. What does it mean? How do you have this boldness? How do you have courageous boldness? How do you do this? I mean, obedience with courage. How do you have this? Again, First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Again, same principle. Do good, do not be afraid. Do good, do not be afraid. How do you have this? How do you have this kind of a boldness? How do you inculcate this in your life? And we have to, at every every point in your life, you will have to face situations where you will be put in a corner because of your obedience. And you have to continue to obey in spite of all the odds which are stacked against you. How do you do this? Let's read a very interesting verse from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Everybody knows this verse. Let's read on. Everybody who's sleeping... Read it out loud. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. Okay? If you seek him diligently, he's a rewarder for you. Okay? Without faith, it is impossible. You know the chapter on faith. A chapter on faith, if you read it, there are only two times the word afraid comes. How many times? Two times. Very, very interesting. I've never seen it. This is the first time I've seen it. And this is where the second part of the message is going to lie. Two times in this chapter on faith, twice do not be, not afraid is mentioned. Not afraid is mentioned. So we'll examine carefully what those verses are. A chapter on faith. We received grace and apostleship for the obedience of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. Perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And the word of God has got power in those who believe. So you connect all these verses together. Put that in your back of your mind. Okay? Put that in the back of your mind. Alright? And let's read the next few verses on faith and fear. What do we call as courageous obedience? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23. And who is this talking about? Before, don't go into your Bibles. Come on. No, no problem. Let's read on. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that he was, that he, that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Question. If you are not afraid, why will you hide? No. 
before that since we are mentioning this let me tell you my young parents over here including myself i'm also a young parent okay my daughter is going to turn 6 i feel very old by this time but i think still i'm young still still she's on 6 you have a spirit of fear you will rub it onto your children if you are anxious and if you say no no i was like this i was like this i was like this oh i want to protect my protect you protect your children and you transmit fear into their lives you have a spirit of fear you will rub it onto your children by default it's going to happen and this is and you need to understand why this guy moses no uh, this uh, he sees this Egyptian treating the other guy very badly. He looks to the left. He looks to the right. He gives him one shot, and he's dead. You know what? That is an attitude. Some people say that is that is very wrong, which is I I know it's wrong, but you can't help some people like that. See, do you get angry when people are being unrighteously or being unjust? Do you get angry? Do you get angry? It is good. to be angry when you see injustice in society it is good to be angry i mean th- this is a part of moses's personality which i really really admire one fellow who is weak is being tormented by another fellow who is stronger than him this guy is so outrageous he gives him one shot in his dead and this is exactly what even paul also said no one one day paul was being brought to the synagogue one high priest gives him one shot and he says you white washed tomb you will die god will punish you or something i mean that was a part of his character n- nature just automatically responds like that and he says you know what he is talking to the high priest oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it's good it's good to be angry at injustice in society don't think that those things are wrong i mean i, I we had a professor in our university he said if you are young and you're not angry at injustice in society you will never be angry you will never it's good to be angry because anger anger is an energy which has to be given to god so that you will be angry and do not sin here he was angry and he sinned okay i think he got it from his parents they hid him they hid him risking their own lives and you know that is that is an act of faith they did not fear the king's addict addict they hid him but why should you hide when you do not fear when you do not fear why should you hide okay why should you hide if you do not fear meaning let me put it another way why should you put a helmet if you do not fear why should you put on the seat belt if you do not fear okay on the road you don't put on the seat belt the other day i was in the air 25000 feet i was sleeping and the air fell and went like that and they it lost its attitude like that and I, and i realized that i was not in a bus i was in an air bus and then all things came out better put on my seat belt see why should you fear why should you put on a helmet if you do not fear see very interesting point here let me see let me show you a interesting verse in john's gospel chapter 7 after these things jesus walked in galilee for he did not walk in judea because the jews sought to kill him 
Was he afraid of the Jews? No. But was he hiding from the Jews? Yes. Just because you are fearless, it does not mean that you should be shameless. Meaning, don't be presumptuous. Don't be presumptuous. Don't take anything for granted. Oh, God spoke a prophecy over my life. I can drive the way I want. Really? That's exactly what happened to Moses. He was, God spoke that he was going to become the deliverer of Egypt and he sought to kill him also in the same time. Don't become presumptuous. Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see and see the works that you are doing. Meaning, come on, show off man. Come on, come on. You said you are God, right? Will anybody be able to harm you? He is not going to fall for their tricks. You know what he says? For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Jesus said to him, My time has not yet come. The time is going to come. When I'm going to be fearless, I'm going to myself go into Jerusalem. You see? That's what happened to even Paul. Somebody was, they were all conspiring against Paul. His brother-in-law heard it and he tipped them off and they put him down the, the basket and let him go. He fled. Was he fearless? Absolutely. But was he hiding? Yes, he was. Because his time has not yet come. But once, when Agabus comes and says, you know what? This is what is going to happen to a man who's going to be, uh, who's, who, who has this belt. And they all try to stop him. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. You know, what are you talking about? I want to go and I'm going to die for Jesus now. My time has come. I'm fearless. Okay? You need to understand. These are principles. That is going to rub off on Moses, by the way. Look at what it says. The next verse before, which which uh, verse is this? This is uh, uh, John's, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 first. Okay? The next verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. How many verses did we skip? 23, 3 we, we read. 25, sorry, 24, 25, 26, we skipped. We're coming to 11, 27. Look at what it says. By faith, who left Egypt? Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. When did he leave, leave Egypt? When was this talking about? 40 years later or 8 years later? Forty years later. By the way, Exodus chapter 2 verse 14 will say, he was afraid and he fled. Hebrews is saying, he did not fear and he left. What do you mean by that? You do understand? See, this is, this is courage and obedience, okay, courageous obedience. Look at what it's, how, how he gets this. How did he get to this point where he was not afraid of what the king was going to do and he left Egypt when he was 40 years old? By faith, Moses, when he was born, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The first step he takes after he knows that he is a Hebrew. You know what he says? I have cut all my ties with the world. My identity is no longer an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. That's the first step. You want to live a life of boldness? First step you have to decide, I do not have an identity apart from the identity that God gives me. Period. You see, that is exactly what it means. You see, 
Next verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 9. You however are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Meaning Moses is telling, I belong to Christ. I do not belong to Pharaoh's daughter. Period. Over. This is what I have decided for myself. I belong to Christ. How many of us think that see, a lot of people have this, no? They, they are partly in the world. They are partly God's, God's house. They are half there. They are Vijay, also Paul. At the same time. I mean, Vijay is a good name, but okay. Let us say Srinivas and Paul. Venkatesh and Paul. I don't know. You see, they, 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 they have, they want to use this name and they also want to use this name. According to their convenience. They're not completely sold out to God. They don't know who, who owns them. Oh, can I just have the charger, please? Yeah. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But in fa- if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Next verse. Look at it. Look at what it says. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Romans, this is what we looked at, no? And then, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. Finished. I was bought with a price and I'm no longer a bond servant of men. God owns me completely. Completely. Okay, next verse. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21. So let no one boast in men for all things are yours. Don't boast in men meaning. Don't say I am Naidu. Chaudhary. Shrivasarao. I don't boast in my pedigree. You see, no? Oh, this guy was a, a Brahmin convert. You're a Christian. Reddy convert. Christian. No. Oh, he, he was an IIT and he gave up everything and has become a full-time minister. Hey, great. No. No. No identity. I don't want to boast in men. That is what happened to Moses. He said, you know what? I have decided. I am learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. But once I have decided, once I have come to my age and I have come to my senses, I do not want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. No. I am Jesus's. I am Jesus's. Once you have decided who owns you, you will be fearless. You will be fearless. What he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. You are Christ, Christ is God's. God owns me. I don't have to fear anybody because he owns me. He owns me. And if he has allowed something into my life, I don't have to fear because all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. First thing, decide. Decide who owns you. Next verse. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with God's people or people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You see, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of the first thing he decided, I am God's and I'm not Pharaoh's son. Second thing he says, I make a choice willfully to give myself to God's people even if they're suffering. God's people. Even if they are suffering, I am God's people. 
with, the, with God people, with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Look at what he says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. And then, and for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that you have a better and an enduring position for yourselves in heaven. You know what it means? Those days, if you are in prison, nobody is to get you food except your relatives. And it's not like our prison system where the, the warden gives you food. No, if you wanted to eat food, the relatives had to get carriage and breakfast, lunch and dinner. So whenever they got food for Christians, they already are identifying themselves with them. And if you are a Christian, you joyfully accept the plundering of your goods. You identify. You identify. They are mine. I am going to whatever lengths. Doesn't matter. They are mine. Because I am God's and they are God's. They are mine. That's a choice he makes. Next. For you had compassion on me. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 to 6. Keep your life free. Life free completely from the love of money. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Meaning, don't just because you will lose money, don't Stop identifying with God's people. No, that's exactly what happened, no? In, 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 in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, if you see, if you have a brother who's, who's weak among you and you give him money, if the year of Jubilee is coming, you have to excuse all the debt. And you see the year of Jubilee coming and you said, I don't have money. I don't have money. No, no, no. Paisa ledu. You do that, you're gone. You do that, you're gone. But you, doesn't matter if the year of Jubilee is tomorrow. If he comes today and he takes money from you, next day you excuse. You know why? Because I am the Lord. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And therefore, I identify completely with those people who are suffering. You see, some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you you need to know. Once you come into 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 a core of Christianity, God is going to demand so much from you. He's going to demand your everything. Your everything. You identify yourself as a Christian. There, you are going to lose everything. It's already happening. If you are a believer, they don't give you houses on rent anymore. They don't. It's very difficult. You come to Alwal, I'm telling you. It's true. You're a Christian. Christian ki illu ledu. Illu ledu. It's happening. Next verse. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking for the reward. Three things. What did he do? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Second. He said, I will identify myself with God's people. Third, reproach of Christ is greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. What does it mean? Hebrews chapter 13. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. What does it mean? What does it mean? He says, you know, Lord, I'm going all out for you. All out. All out. I'm just 
holding nothing back. I am going for broke. All out for you. And then, First Peter chapter 4, we'll talk about this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings. You share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Next verse, we'll say, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. See, God owns me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I bear reproaches. God, I sanctify myself. Jesus himself said, you know what? Sanctify them for by the truth, for your word is truth. For their sake, I sanctify myself so that they can be sanctified because of me. You see? And therefore, now coming to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20, by faith, he left Egypt. After doing all that, what did he do? He cho- he called himself not as Pharaoh's daughter, so Pharaoh's son. Second, he said, you know, I choose to be identified with God's people. Third, the afflictions of Christ. After that, you know what? He left Egypt. Not being afraid of the anger of the king. Not being afraid. Left. For he endured seeing him who was invisible. You know what? Before leaving Egypt, he dealt with Egypt in his heart. That is the reason why he was never afraid. But you see, the children of Israel are always afraid. Always. Always afraid. Always afraid. You know what what that means? I have some savings over here. If all these things doesn't work, this is there for me. It doesn't work, I can come back here. It's not going to work that way. It doesn't mean that you should not save money. No. But your attitude with which you save, is it out of fear? Or you want to be sold out for God? You know, this is, this is really, really going to be tough in these last days. I want to, I want to be obedient for the Lord. This is going to really, really demand courage from me. If I'm not sold out for God, I will not be able to obey until the end. And that is the reason why it tells about Dimas. Dimas loved this present world and he has forsaken me. He has left. He has gone. He is no longer with Paul. What a sad state of affairs. It can happen to any one of us. Any one of us. In these last days, God is teaching us in different, different ways. We are learning the same message over and over and over again. In different ways, God is teaching us one lesson. You are either sold out for me or not. You are either mine or you are not. Don't play any double game. You are here and if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not know Him, you have not known Him, that this is what God is going to, is going to cost God to, cost you to, call, to follow God, learn. Jesus will tell you everything clear without any, without hiding anything from you. He will tell you, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross, you have to hate your father, your mother, your child, your wife, and even your own life. And only then you are fit to be my disciple. There is no other way. Otherwise, you are going to give up and cut and run when the things are going to get tough in your life. The reason why most of us are not tested at that end is because we are not ready yet. But it doesn't mean that it is not going to come. The tempest is going to come. 
and the wicked will be no more, but the righteous will stand forever. Why? Because the righteous are bold as a lion. Are bold as a lion. It's going to take a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm challenging young people over here. All young people who are below 30 years of age. Show me your hand. Below 30 years. I mean, almost 60% of you are young people below 30. You know when Jesus was called into ministry? When he was 30 years of age. When was Elijah called into ministry? 30 years of age. How do I know? John the Baptist, when he was 30 years of age, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. All the apostles, 30 years of age. Most of them, less than 35. All of them called below 30. Joseph became the prince of Egypt when he was 30 years of age. 30 is a fantastic number. And it is going to happen in your life if the Lord tarries to come and if he gives you life. Fulfill God's purpose in your generation. This time, prepare. That's exactly what he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. You hold, Every time you have a choice to either accept or refuse. Every day, every day, young people, you are making a choice to accept or refuse. Joseph was attacked every day, attacked with temptation every day. But he refused. He refused. For 30 years he refused. He refused and refused and refused and refused. 30 years got, character was formed. Character was formed and he was ready. And after that, nobody could buy him anymore. Exactly what happened with Daniel. The king was fearful. The writing came on the wall. The king, king's for king was fearful, and his and his knees started knocking, uh, knocking, and, and he called Daniel. If you can read read this interpretation, you will be the next in line. Daniel said, "Forget it. I'm going to tell you what exactly what God is telling you. Your kingdom is gone. Tonight you will die." But Daniel stayed for for entire time, and you can see the history. You know, for 80, 90 years, kings came, kings left, but Daniel stood for almost the entire generation before they came back from captivity. Why? Because he made those choices when he was young. When he was young. So many of you young people, you have to make a choice now. Now. There's no time. Don't ever think that when I become old, I can, I'll make a time. If you, if you do not make a decision today, you will never be able to make a decision. So if you have heard the voice of God today, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. Do not harden your hearts and say, Lord, I'm available, Lord. I'm available. I'm going to go through this. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. You will fail several times. A righteous man may fall several times, but the Lord will lift him up. Seven times you may fall, but the Lord will lift you up. You can still finish your course. That's exactly what happened to Jacob. He was running and running and running. After that, he was fearless and he confronted Esau. And all the days of his life, at the end of his time, he was still prophesying on the stick. How how could he finish it? How could he finish that race? Because he dealt with fear at one decisive blow. At the at some point in his life, he said, "Lord, I'm not. I'm I'm tired of this. I don't want this life of fear. I'm going, Lord Jesus, all all the way, going for broke in my life. If you want to go for broke in your life, you can stand up this evening, this this morning, and." Before, before the Lord, all of us can, uh, worship team, can we just have a song? Please come. We'll sing that song. God sent the son. His name is Jesus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Come please. Come, can we sing that song? And we will stop. Come. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow.
Halleluja. sing that song if any one of you has to keep something straight with the Lord want to settle accounts with the Lord this is the time you can do it if you confess your sins he is faithful and just otherwise you will keep running from the Lord you will never have boldness if the wrath of God is upon you you will run when nobody is pursuing you You'll have all kinds of imaginary enemies. Fear which causes torment. And this morning, if we are, we are all in the house of God, we can all settle our accounts straight with the Lord. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. Doesn't matter how many times you have fallen through this week. The very fact that you are alive, Is a testimony that God has given, has not given up upon you. And if you have an honest heart, you can come to Him and say, Lord, forgive me, Lord. I want to be broke for you. I want to go broke for you, Lord. I don't want to hold anything back. And the chances are, the more you have failed, the chances are, more you will succeed. Because you would have experienced the love of God more in your life. That's what happened to that, that, that woman who was washing Jesus' feet with her tears. The Lord told Simon, 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 when I came home, you did not wash my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But look at this woman. Right from the time I came here, you did not give me any kiss, but this woman started washing my feet with her tears, cleaning them with her hair and kissing my feet and her sins which are many are forgiven for those who have been forgiven much will love much and that perfect love will cast out every fear and this morning you can settle your account with the Lord and say Lord I have failed you so many times and the Lord has allowed that in your life for a purpose so that you will also be compassionate on those people who have failed Simon Simon Jesus said to Peter Satan has asked me to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail you and when you have been restored strengthen your brothers Simon would never have strengthened his brothers unless he has failed the Lord three times was humbled, he was broken, he was stripped of all his reliance on himself. And once God forgave him, he became fearless. And he said, I have to put away my tent, and the time of my departure is at hand. And he gladly went to his death without fear. Because he he was forgiven much and he loved much. Every apostle 
who finished their course, they were forgiven much and therefore they loved much and therefore they had compassion much. And this morning, if you think that you have sinned so much, Mark chapter 3 verse 28 will say, all manner of sin and blasphemies will be forgiven. Assuredly, I say this unto you, except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure none of us have committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit here. All of us have committed several other incredible sins. We know it. Even in our private lives, through this week, we have lied, we have cheated. We have watched trash on the internet. Our minds have been corrupted. Our conscience has been made defiled. And this morning, trust in Him. Ask God for a clear conscience. Come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace so that you can obtain mercy and grace in time of need so that you can be, you can experience His compassion this morning. And that's what He told Peter. Unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part in me. Let Jesus wash you this evening, this morning. Let Him sprinkle your conscience by the blood of Jesus and let, him be, let your conscience be purged from all dead works and let your bodies be washed with clear water. Come back to Him this morning and say, Lord, Father, I want to come back to You. I want to finish my course. I want to finish my race. I don't want to fear anything, O oh Lord. What can separate me from the love of Christ? Can famine, can tribulation, can distress, can anguish, can sword or peril? For in all, for an all day we have been counted for sheep to be slaughtered. And we have been killed, day, killed all day. But in all these things we are more than conquerors who, through Christ Jesus who loved us. Nothing can, be, can separate, separate me from the love of Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And this morning you can be set free in your conscience and you can be bold. It is not the works that we do. It is the righteousness that God gives us. Once he clothes us and once he justifies us, who can condemn us? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is Christ who died for us. It is Christ who is risen and who is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. These things I have written to you, my children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone has sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you confess, He will cleanse you from all your sin and make you free. You can walk free from this house this morning, bold in the Lord, and be ready to face this world boldly, knowing and having the assurance that God is with you. Can we sing that song? God sent His Son, they call Him Jesus, He came to love, He
grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, yes I know. is worth living just because he lives. Father, this morning, Father, there are uncertain days which are coming, O Lord. We do not know what the future holds, but we know, Father, you hold our future. But Lord, we want to be assured, we want to have that assurance every day of our lives, O Lord. We do not walk to want to walk in condemnation, O Lord. Father, we don't want to have any guilt, O Lord. Oh, Father, this morning, Father, we want to experience a conscience free of guilt, free of condemnation. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven and to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Oh, Father, declare us blessed even as we confess this morning, O Lord. Father, we have failed you. We have failed you, Lord. Oh, Father, this morning I pray, Father, for every one of my dear brothers and sisters, young and old, who have been defeated with sin, O Lord, through the week, and who have come to your house trembling. I pray, Father, that you'd convict, that you would, Lord, forgive them even as they confess, O Lord. And those of them who didn't have any conviction of sin. I pray, Father, that you convict them this morning, O Lord. Make them feel guilty of their sin, O Lord. Until they cry out to you, O Lord Jesus. Let us never be comfortable in our sin, O Lord. Every besetting sin, O Lord Jesus. We just don't want to be confessing and repenting. We want to, ha- we want to be broken free, O Lord Jesus, from that habit, O Lord. And therefore give us boldness, O Lord. Oh, Father, grant us boldness to hold on to those promises, O Lord. You said this year, O Lord, that you would make us a church of overflow, O Lord. Every individual, O Lord, enable us to believe, O Lord, that we can be a blessing. That is what you bless. That's what you promised to your son, O Lord, your, your, your son Abraham, O Lord. You said, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. Oh, Father. Father. If we hold back, if we fear, if we hold, how can we be a blessing, O Lord? O Father, grant us grace this morning that we will break from that habit of hoarding for ourselves, hoarding unforgiveness, hoarding mercy, hoarding finances, hoarding time, We all look for our own interests. Oh Father, forgive us. Father, if Moses in the old covenant could do it, oh Lord. You said, oh Lord, law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. How much more in the new covenant, oh Lord, that we should overflow. Forgive us our unbelief, oh Lord. 
Forgive us our unbelief, O Lord. Forgive us our unbelief. Pray, Father, for your children, O Lord, who are struggling this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, Father, that, Lord, you would, Lord, speak to them this morning, O Father. If they're holding back, if they're fearful to make a decision, O Lord, for you, they know what they're doing is wrong. The path that they're taking is wrong. But they're fearful. Some of them in wrong relationships. But they're fearful. That nobody would accept them. But Lord, you said, those who come to me, I will in no wise cast away. Oh Jesus, I pray Lord, you will grant assurance to all of them, Lord Jesus, who are struggling to give up ungodly soul ties. Let them take a stand for you, O Lord. Ungodly habits, let them take a stand for you, O Lord. Struggling with pornography, let them take a stand for you, O Lord. Let them come out clean, O Lord Jesus. Let us come out clean, O Lord. Have mercy upon us as a church. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Use each one of us, O Lord, Father, as a vessel of honor in your kingdom, O Lord, in your house, O Lord. Give us the grace to purge ourselves from all uncleanness and be made a vessel of honor in your house, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Father. We give you all glory, honor, and praise for this day. Come at each one of us into your hands. Grant us grace to stand firm in our generation, O Lord Jesus, as Noah did. Was a righteous man in his generation, blameless in his generation. Let us be a set of young men and young women, O Lord Jesus, and older men and older women who will stand firm in this generation and speak to their generation alone and fulfill God's purpose in their generation before they rest with their forefathers like David did, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name, O Lord. Bless your holy name. All glory and honor and praise and dominion be to you forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us even as we walk in obedience through this week until we meet the next time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.